Welcome back to another episode of B-Hall Radio. We're at episode 67. I'm your host, Brian Rowan, with now longtime co-host, Tyler McLeese. Um, and tonight's guest, we have 2016 graduate Javi Rodriguez. Uh, he was a team captain, currently residing at Fort Benning, Georgia, fighting out of the red corner. I think that's how you say it, right? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be on with you guys. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to, glad to fill in where I can. Um, so let's get right into it. So uh, for the listeners who don't know, Javi uh, made his MMA debut this weekend, won a 30 to 27 unanimous decision. Javi, why don't you go ahead and uh, kind of talk us through the fight a little bit, talk us through the game plan. Um, did you know, like, did you do any scouting on the guys? Like kind of interested to hear how the fight prep and all that went too. Okay, so uh, for the fight prep, I guess we'll just start with talking to the fight and talk to the preparation afterwards. So as far as scouting and everything, we knew absolutely nothing about the guy. He was 1-0 coming into the fight. Um, couldn't find any video on him. Knew minimally about, like, the style that his, his uh, school taught. Uh, so we went in pretty not really knowing anything. You know, right before we went on, Coach kind of peeked on him, warming up, and he's like, hey, his striking is really good. Um, so obviously for me. That's what you want to hear right before you fight. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was good because I, I definitely kept it in the back of my head. He's like, hey, striking is really good. He's like, make sure you set up your takedowns. Don't die for them or else you're going to pay for it. He's so gonna, I knew going he's in, gonna, I was like, I have to my setups, which was my game plan from the beginning. Um, kind of punching into takedowns, which is really like what our school teaches the best. So it worked for me, like already coming in with a solid wrestling background. Uh, my striking still has a lot of work, but I, I think I did a lot of work in the last six months on it. Um, since I kind of started striking about six months ago with Muay Thai, but blending it in with the wrestling allowed me to definitely like fight at a much higher level. Yeah, uh, his striking was, you, uh, was very good. It was, I, but I think it took you like four seconds to get your first takedown. And then like maybe seven more seconds after that for your second. And then uh, did it, did your coach uh, count how many you had in total? Is there is that stat out there? No, I, I don't. I'd have to look back at the to remember to like see how many because all I remember was every time my team get up I just like yeah a couple punches back down the legs again I think it was in the ballpark of like 37 across the <laughs> rounds it might have been it might have been close to that but um but it was a great fight like it was definitely tough you never know like going into amateur fight like the background that you're the other person has most of the time you don't know like sometimes this guy's been training for like four months just want to fight Sometimes you have guys who've been training for years before they finally like get into the cage. So, you know, it's very much unknown walking in there. Didn't really know until like right before, but adjusted and like definitely relied heavily on my wrestling to control the pace of the match from the beginning to the end. Did you know he was a, I heard them announce he was a 10th planet guy because 10th planet guys are all lower body heel hooks, knee bars, ankle locks, things like that. Um, did you know that before? Because that definitely changes things when you're looking yeah. at taking the fight to the ground, which he didn't really go from any. So I don't know if he was just trying to build back to his feet to get to his striking or not. But um, you definitely controlled the ground there, which was good because those can get really dangerous really quick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was he was like powerful off the clinch. Like every time he came out of the clinch, he was like, get some good, dirty boxing. So just keeping my hands up and just getting right back to the takedown, not letting him have a chance to like strike. Yeah, one thing I didn't know, I was going to ask you on the podcast, and then I was talking to um, Josh Boland today. I guess uh, there's no ground and pound allowed in amateur MMA in Georgia. Yeah. So I was going to ask you why like you, you weren't really uh, striking on the ground, and then Josh told me. So I was like, oh, well, glad I found out. Yeah, that, that would have changed the game for sure. Like, I'm kind of like that That rule will, like, it helps wrestlers a lot. Being able to ground and pound, you just stay in good position, and you can put some pretty heavy blows from the top. Yeah, you ate some pretty big shots at the end of it too, and I was yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> definitely, you definitely uh, like got the full experience in like the last thirty seconds of the fight too, because that dude had some really clean strikes that he landed like <laughs> straight. Yeah, I probably should have just got down on his legs, but I was like, "There's ten seconds left." Yeah, like, like let's fun. just go for it. Uh, it was fun. It was probably stupid, but you know. It was, I definitely got the full, you know, experience on a debut with a pretty solid opponent. Yeah. So what's next? 
um, go ahead and use the platform. I know uh, Kamaro Usman is probably looking for a fight. Um, we got <laughs> and Jorge Ma. Who, who are we calling out next? Make sure you call them out, too, because they're definitely going to be listening in. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, honestly, like right now with uh, my schedule for fourth RTV, I, mean, I just got to see like with a class schedule when I can when I can fight again, because we had a pretty tight class schedule, like right after leave. So not a lot of second breaks. So you're saying there's a chance. No, but I'll definitely be be fight, looking to fight again. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. get more in, we'll get more of that uh, toward, towards the end a little bit, because I, I have some some logistical questions kind of like balancing that and the army and all this. But, you know, um, you know, we, we kind of want to get into like, you know, your current events, you know, a little bit and we'll we'll dive into more uh, more a little bit later. But um, let's take it back to the beginning, um, you know, kind of talk about. Your journey, why you choosing West Point? You know, Florida's a long way away from from West Point. You know how you how your recruiting process went. You know, talk us through kind of uh, the days before West Point. So for me, West Point was like probably a long time dream since I was like eight years old. Found out what the school was, told my parents I wanted to go there. Um, didn't start wrestling till like eighth grade, right before high school. You know, a program with the school. Um, and I, I fell in love with wrestling, like right when I started, uh, you know, through high school, it was my life. Didn't really go to like parties on Friday nights. I'd always like stay for like extra sessions. Like it was what I committed myself to. Um, so through high school, like, you know, keeping my grades up also, I knew everything I had to do to get into West Point. Um, so doing all that stuff. And then, you know, I knew like wrestling stuff. I definitely wanted to wrestle there, division one program. Um, so I worked hard in wrestling senior year one states and then went to um virginia beach and uh, coach young came out there um and then uh my second match uh it was me and it was uh bethea who was at the time he was the state champion from new jersey um we went in one by one point 12 13 in the last like 10 seconds of the match pretty much after that coach young came up to me and was like hey like we'll get you in we'll get you a slot so that was like uh, i think April, April. So it was pretty close to the end of the school year. Uh, I was on the waiting list for West Point. So it was like kind of like toss up whether I was going to get in. And then uh, that day, a little while later, I got my appointment and uh, started at West Point that summer. That's a that's a, a really late timeline. I mean, I want to say that's like the latest one I've heard, but like that's up there. Uh, I guess I guess rewinding from that, you know, you start wrestling in eighth grade. Uh, like how, like, how was your development early on? Like some people start out in eighth grade and they're terrible. And then other people you hear, they start out and then like they're placing at the state tournament like a year later. And you're like, wait, what? How was your development kind of early on, you know, starting the sport so late? So for my development, um, I started out, I was always, uh, I was pretty tight starting out, tight wrestler. Like it took me a while to get like fluid in my stance and to like shoot off my takedowns. Uh, I was... For an eighth grade, like I came in wrestling pretty, pretty good shape. So I was pretty strong for like a freshman wrestler. But uh definitely my first year is a struggle. Um, just getting the technique down, diving in on a lot of shots. Uh, you know, first year is just just a lot of learning. Um, but you know, at that summer, like after that, learned all those lessons and um, you know, by my sophomore year, made it to state. And then by my junior year, I was starting to like really clean up my wrestling. I had a really good coach from Ohio who came in right at the end of my freshman year. Um, used to work at the Jordan camp every summer. And uh, he really helped like just take the basics and foundations of my wrestling to the next level. Nice. So uh, like winning a state title your senior year, like did you feel like you had a lot of pressure on it? Like you weren't committed to a school? Did you, were you like, I gotta win a state title? Cause I, that's, gonna, that's what's gonna get me to West Point? Or is that like your mindset? Um, my mindset was really like, I got to win the state title and I got to place it national. I was like, I gotta, I gotta really show, I knew at nationals is where, you know, they'd be watching like Florida obviously isn't like super well-known for, um, uh, wrestling, but I'd always traveled like after season to try to wrestle in other States and going into my senior year, like I was pretty confident in like what I'd built up mm -hmm. just in like my trust and like the fundamentals I had developed that I could, you know, do well at nationals. I knew if I did well there, then I could really like secure a spot. Obviously it was late. Uh, late, you know, coming into college, but I knew like if I could do well at nationals, I could really make sure I get in. 
I don't want to, I don't, I don't know if this is like a side people or you don't want to talk about, but what was plan B if it didn't work out? <laughs> so plan B, honestly, like uh, I knew I wanted to go in the army. Plan B for me was Citadel at the time. Okay. I'd like got in, I pretty much loved in. I got in there like right away. So that was like my backup, I guess. There's nothing wrong with the Citadel. I had lots yeah. of friends who played JV football in high school and like, you know, we're, we're cool, you know? So like, yeah, like, <laughs> So I said that to my like, I said that to like several Citadel grads. That's like my go-to for right. Citadel or VMI, dude. And pe- they get like really upset, but everybody else like thinks it's so funny. <laughs> it's good how you casually just put, you put it in there like that. Like, yeah, you're just like you're like <laughs> you act like you're not trying to make fun of them, like you're trying to be friends, right. but like it's such a dig. Like it's it's so bad, and it's so true though too. So it's like funny. pretty accurate. <laughs> So, uh, so you finally get into West Point, um, talk about reporting for uh, beast and your like initial impressions going from being a high school kid to starting at West Point. So reporting for beast, you know, like coming from living my whole life in Florida, going out was my first time, you know, I'd been away for like camps and stuff for only a few weeks. It's the first time really leaving home, being away from my parents. Um, and that was absolutely an immersive experience from the beginning. You know, the night before Beast, we all got to do that. You know, we all met in the wrestling room. We got to meet all the other guys that were wrestling. I actually, um, I'd already known, like, uh, Austin Wilding from the wrestling. We went to the wrestling camp at West Point our junior year. So, you know, kind of caught up with those guys, said hi to everyone. And then the next day, you know, you're just reporting in your company and immersed in West Point. And the only real, like, the only real break, if you can call it during Beast, was going to the wrestling room one chance to like focus on yourself focus on getting better it was like the one familiar thing like while you're there did you have any uh second guessing on like the first few nights uh when beast was going on like wow i've been thinking about this since i was like eight years old and wanting to come here and what is it was it what you had hoped for uh i mean i guess during beast i just was like you know what i'm just gonna make it through these eight weeks before i make any sort of decisions on on this school so I don't know. I feel like you do anything for a few weeks. So I was like, I'll just do this. Like, was it everything I hoped for? I don't know. Some things maybe were above my station, some things below, but I was like, I'm going to, this is something I've always wanted to do. I'm not going to quit on it because of, because of this. Well, that's a super positive way to look at it. And I expected nothing less from you. <laughs> I know a lot of people. Do you, think, from- do you think a lot, most people would say that they have like second thoughts, like in the first couple of days? I think, I don't know. People- I guess it depends. What the fuck? But Oh, it's a kid's show. It's a kid's show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say, I guess it depends on like, you know, some people I know talk to are like, yeah, I didn't even think about West Point until like junior year of high school. So, but for me, it was like something I built up so long. I was like, I'm not going to quit on it now, you know? Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't think that it was like a, I guess you just didn't think about, like I had already like committed, I guess, to right. staying there. So I like, it, I didn't even cross my mind like to not like, oh, I could have another option. Especially for you. I mean, you didn't really plan. There was no plan B, really. I mean, the Citadel was kind of the same thing. So, <laughs> no, I was like, I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, talk about a little. Let's let's go into a little bit about your time at the academy. Um, you know, wrestling wise. You know, you. Um, you know, eventually you were a team captain. You know, you were, you were uh, in in the lineup uh, when we beat Navy for the first time, and you know, in in a hot minute. Um, so kind of talk us about like just your wrestling experience early on, you know, kind of growing into the, you know, into the starting lineup. Um, you know, you're, you started like your junior, senior year, a little bit of each, right? Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of that match a little bit and just kind of like floating in and out of the lineup, kind of progressing through the years. So, uh, coming into, coming into college, I remember I, you know, I wrestled like 160 my senior year in high school. Um, I wanted to wrestle 157. Coach Eskin's like, you're going to wrestle 149. And, you know, lo and behold, we compromised and I wrestled 149. Uh, but, you know, moving through, uh, you know, coming from high school, um, placing, you know, at Virginia Beach, you know, you have a certain, you have a certain view of yourself uh, as a wrestler. And I think it happens to a lot of people, you know, you come to the division one level and you have to take a look at where you are to, for that, you know, come into that huge jump, you know, from, high school wrestling, even at a high level to, you know, moving up to division one wrestling. And uh, you have to realize like, wow, I have a long way to go to even just, just to start for this team. Um, But I think like, 
a part of me always wanted, you know, like in high school, I didn't really have a team where it was like I had to really fight for the lineup. Um, but, you know, coming into West Point, you had a team where it's like there's four solid dudes at all these weight classes, and we made each other better every day. Um, I know uh, talking before, Tyler, like talking through like Coach Eskid and Coach Ward, like there was there was tough days for all those under under both coaches. Um, preseason preseason training like before was definitely like you know coming out of beast you know you do all your little runs and that stuff and then you come in the room it's more just open mat and then the school year starts you're like trying to keep up with that, these academics a uh, large credit load and then all of a sudden you know preseason comes and is a test every day for sure that was probably a bigger test than daily test of beast it was like man like you know you're in the school and you know, you're already in West Point. Like a lot, a lot of guys, you you have to stay on the team to keep your scholarship. But like you see guys walk away and like they seem like they have a nicer life. But you have to really, you know, keep focused on your goals and be like, this is what I want to do. Because every day um, in the wrestling room, whether it's preseason or during season, there's usually a test almost every day. Yeah, and those early, uh, the preseason days within the Heskett era was a different, different like kind of workout. I won't say like one was better or than the other, but they were definitely different. Um, you know, like we were talking about uh, the ski slope before where we do like just two hours of like sprints and hand fighting and you name it, like up and down all those, uh, what do you call it? The poles up and down the ski slope for like two hours. Yeah, I don't know if all those workouts were pre-planned or if coach just kind of like watched the team and just went so he could see like the pain in our eyes was at the level he wanted. But uh, it was definitely a test every day during preseason. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that stuff actually makes you better? Like, I, I, I started to question all like the kind of like the intensity of like all the hard practices sometimes, like um, if that stuff like really helps. You know, it seems like, you know, we, we talked a little bit about last episode with uh, Patty Simpson, like enjoying the sport and having fun and balancing that with hard work and loving things. It's like, you can only do that so much until you start to just like hate things, <laughs> you know? I think we were walking the line. I think there were, there were times in preseason where you're walking the line because you're, you know, a lot of days you're not really even on the mat. It's just like pure pain, like whether it's at the stadium or on ODI Hill or the ski slope days um and it was like every single day you know like throughout the week so I think we're definitely walking the line um there's something to be said about like mental toughness training for sure I don't know I don't know if we got more out of it or we like wore down the athletes more it's hard to say I'll tell you though one uh one thing on the positive end is having been removed from the program for a few years and being in the army now, I think most people can attest to the fact that they have never had a day in the army that's even remotely close to as hard as like one two hour preseason workout, like not even close. Like I would regularly leave the wrestling room and be like, that was definitely the hardest two hour practice session workout of my entire life. And I haven't said that since I've left the wrestling room. So for better or for worse, not saying it's the right answer, but that is the fact, at least in my own life. And I think that uh, some of the other guys from the room could probably say the same thing. It's definitely a measuring stick for the rest of your life. I agree. And uh, I guess there's a lot to be said for that because I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think I've ever had the thoughts, especially like for a whole week, day in and day out, like every single day being that hard, really wearing you down like that. Never anything like that. Every season of Army Wrestling. So talking uh, more about like intensive practices, uh, Tyler's talked a lot about in the past about the one practice in particular where you guys pretty much just fought each other. Um, let's hear about that. Do you remember who your partner was that day and who you, who you were fighting? I guess, I guess Tyler kind of set the stage a little bit more about the practice in case some of the listeners don't remember that from the previous episode or, or weren't listening. Yeah. Um, I, I, I probably knows it too. Um, as soon as I'll start, talking about it but the uh it was like the 45 minute grind match day and then uh like 20 minutes in 25 minutes in it was just literally 45 minutes live with one partner no break no like one takedown switch partner just 45 minutes no points and coach like Heskett uh stopped it and just made us one man two man it up and then was like one man punch two men in the face 
and everyone was like, wait, like what is this like serious? So Hob, I'll, Pat, I'll kick it over to you and let you kind of talk your, your, your experience with that practice. You know, to be honest, like I cannot remember, like I, I remember that practice pretty vividly, like just the overall structure of it and like how painful it was. I can't remember if it was Matt Kelly or Mark. I know I wrestled with those two guys a lot, you know, both those seasons. Um, but I do remember that uh, it was, it was a pretty painful workout and it was, there was absolutely no technique. It had absolutely nothing to do with wrestling at that point. There was nothing on there that was like, all right, well, we're trying to like keep you to have your technique while you're tired. It was absolutely pure. Coach Eskid's mind at that point was like, we just got to develop aggression on the team. And it was literally just what Tyler said. It was like, we're going to punch the guy in front of you in the back of the head as hard as you can. And then he's going to punch you as hard as you can. And that was it. There was like, there was no other technique or like you could wrestle your way out of it. It was just like, you have to take and give punishment as best as you can. <laughs> take and give punishment as best as you can. <laughs> Fortunately, they don't award many points for that nowadays. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. The, uh, I guess talk about it from your perspective a little bit, the transition uh, with Coach Hatskett and Coach Ward coming in. We've heard it from a few guys, you know, in the past. Uh, what year was that when you guys had, when, when he came in? 14, I think. The 14. Yeah, what year were you guys? We were cows going into Kelly. Yeah, we were coming into our junior year. Yeah. So what was that transition like for you? Um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, first impressions, you know, kind of talk through that a little bit. So, um, you know, going into the, you know, we all got that text. I think it was in the summer right before we came back. Hey, you know, we're going to have a new head coach next year. I think Coach Young sent it out to all of us, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and so none of us really knew what to expect. We didn't have a bio on Coach Ward or anything. Um, it's just like, hey, you're getting a new coach. You guys are starting in a couple of weeks, uh, coming back from summer training. And um, but right away, you know, his focus was absolutely on, on the wrestling from day one and, and on developing the team into a winning team. You know, he just had the mentality of like, I understand there are a lot of obstacles here. Like everyone sees, you know, there's different things that the army wrestling team deals with than, you know, Cornell, Penn state or Iowa, but his mentality was like, I'm not going to allow that to be an excuse. Um, you know, I know the re he, he knew and he does, he absolutely knows the recipe to build a winning team. And he came in and he, I think he really got the most out of all, all the wrestlers on the team. He had a way of leading the team and just a way of structuring practices uh, that really got the most out of the team. And I, I wouldn't say he worked us any more or less than Coach Eskett, but it was different for sure. And um, I think the way that he pushed the team got the most out of every wrestler on the team. So it was definitely like a culture shift. Um, he was really good at, uh, individualized feedback, like pulling guys off to the side and really coaching them based off their style, their own mental games they were struggling with. And I think the whole coaching staff, you know, obviously, when you, you know, your leader, like everyone started embracing that mentality. So the room became like that. It became very focused on everyone improving individually, not so much as like no more team punishments, no more that kind of stuff. And uh, I no think it was punching each other in the face. No more punching each other in the face. Like preseason workouts were so hard, but they were all like, I don't know, it seemed, like, it seemed more, more planned out to me, at least. Uh, but uh, overall, his, like, wrestling progression and the way he structured practices and workouts and everything, I think it was – obviously, you can see, like, Coach Ward's taking that team, like, over, over since we've left to just new levels. Like, I have no doubt that Army Wrestling is going to soon be, you know, seen in, you know, in the top – 20 in the NCAA tournament every year, just the way he's taking that program. I don't think there's any limit on where he could take the program. And uh, I think his first year, our junior year, was the first year we had beaten Navy in a while, right? Yeah, it was. It was the first year we beat Navy. Yeah. I think since 90. Uh, uh, it's a little while since we beat him, but um, <laughs> you, you, that, you um, bumped down to 49. Uh, like midway through that season, right? And then was starting the back half of the season? They call it Yeah, cut. so I <laughs> so I did. I went – so after my, my freshman year, I wrestled 49. I went to 57 my sophomore year. And then about halfway through, um, you know, we had Russ Parsons, like one of the top recruits in wrestling at 157. And Coach Ward's like, you're going out on 149, you're going to start. Um, 
So I think it was on the way back from UPenn. Um, he was like, you're going down to 49 in two weeks. So I had two weeks to like get myself down there. The cut was, I guess I remember it was not a great time. I was like, you know, but I knew it was a sacrifice. And I, I knew it was what was best for the team and best for me. So I kind of sucked it up, did it. And I got to, I finally, you know, got to start um, at 149 that year. Um, and I don't know, that was uh, from there. Like I, that's really when I started to, I think, reach new levels in my wrestling that year. Yeah, and you started that Navy match and won, right? Yeah, I was the I was the last match for school. It was like the very the closing um, for the Navy match. We started at fifty seven, ended at forty nine. Um, so it was like right when I finished, like the whole stadium was like erupting because yeah. like we had finally we won. I think when I went in, we were already like pretty much secured the victory because we won by so many points that year. But it was cool to be the last match, and then right after, you know, everyone yeah. came on the mat. I think Logan locked it up the match before. He had yeah. like a really, really close match it. with like a late takedown. Yeah, and that was it. It was like, there, it didn't really matter what happened the last match. Like we were going to win, but just being the last match, being able to close out that series with a major decision, it was awesome. It was, yeah. I've never, like, I've never forgotten that night. So, um, like, more more about that. So, like, when they, like, after weigh-ins, did they pull, like, like the, how they decide they were going to start at 57? Was it like they pulled from a, you know, hat like the like a random yeah. draw. Yeah, I just pulled a random draw. Fifty seven got pulled. Did uh were you like excited that you were like the last match? Like, cause I mean you're probably thinking like this is gonna come down to me, you know. Right. I guess you know that's like what you're you're in most dual meets, that's kind of what it is, especially when it's gonna be like a, a five five split or a six four split. It's even if you're up by like, you know, three points, you know, going into the last match, it's it's gonna come down to the last, you know, the last match. Like, what were your thoughts kind of like initially before the match started, like the hour after weigh-ins before the match started? So I, I do remember that, like, you know, they draw, I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to be the last match. Um, you know, we had some big wins that, that match, some very like, you know, at heavyweight at 141, some of those tight matches, all, all like almost all of them went our way. The matches that we thought were going to be close, but going in, you know, we didn't know. We knew that every win was going to count. So I don't know, just watching the whole, the whole match, like pacing back and forth, you know, waiting to warm up, getting warmed up. Yeah, it definitely felt like, all right, this is going to come down to me. But, you know, it was like, this is a chance to kind of like be a part of something bigger than yourself. So just going to go in there. I knew I could win. I see um, and, uh, you know, we went in there and, and made it happen. But it was an awesome night. And like definitely before I came in, the energy of the team, like as we made all those, all those like this, all those victories that were close, you know, like every duel, we, you know, it's, it's like a tribe and like eventually you you ride off the emotion so by the time I went in there like there was already like a high on the army side like everyone was already like up here so I went in there like up here too did you watch did you know the score going into your match like did you know we had already yeah, I, or did you you paid yeah I, I mean I knew I did the math I knew it was like okay. this is just like adding on to the victory but I didn't want you know you can't like go out there and like lose the yeah, last match. Just... <laughs> like all right, well the team won. So <laughs> yeah, like matter. yeah, you know, it just wouldn't feel the same. So definitely, like it was like all right, I'm gonna go out there and just like make this, make like just widen the gap, make it make the win like look very decisive. And and the scoreboard showed it at the end. Like you know we had a, a large lead, and you know I think they got a lot. I think they made a lot of promises. They're like, hey, you know if you guys come out for all these different companies, like you can like go late to school. I don't know. We had a pretty, we had a pretty full stand, I think for a dual meet for wrestling. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, and I never thought about it like this before, but it, it, like we hadn't beat Navy in a long time. Um, I won't say how many years, but like you go, in the, you don't win the last match of the night. Like it's like a weird kind of celebration, you know, especially from your perspective where you kind of want to celebrate that like with the team, but you also kind of wouldn't want to, I mean, that's, it's good it didn't work out like that, uh, but I never yeah. thought about it from that angle before. No, it was definitely like, uh, uh, an awesome night all around. It's kind of like when, uh, like, David Taylor got stuck by Bubba Jenkins, but they still won, like, a national title. Yeah, yeah. And, like, he's <laughs> celebrating at the end. And it's like, I was, I was look, at, look at that. Like, guys who, like, lose, like, heartbreak against NCAA matches, and then their team's the team champs, and they're like, pretending to be happy or just like visibly mad and everybody else is super happy. 
Yeah, no, you, I mean, you see it in wrestling all the time. Like, you know, that's it's just, it's a, such a weird, like you're, you're like part of the team and then you're still this individual competing. So, you know, you ride and you celebrate with the team, but at the end of the day, you still have your individual successes and failures that you go back home with. Yeah. Well, um, so closing out kind of your wrestling career, um, go talk through uh, the branching process, what you branched, why you branched it, and then uh, what you kind of did as a junior officer in the Army leading up to where you're at now. So uh, going into branch night, like I no doubt um, wanted to uh, branch infantry. Um, I guess like growing up, my neighbor, he was um, – you know, he was SF, but like I knew like infantry is what I wanted to branch out of school. And um, Fort Bragg, I guess, uh, you know, a few people, I uh, Colonel Ray was one of the guys who had been like my mentor after you know, that psychology class. And I'd always met with him and uh, Major Reedy also at the time I was his like uh, CO during summer training. And so both of those guys, you know, start out their career at Fort Bragg. So I was like, all right, well, I guess that's the thing to do. So I picked Fort Bragg. Um, definitely, I mean, no, no regrets, you know, picking Fort Bragg. I, I love the North Carolina area and, and the unit. So uh, after, you know, after college, you know, got the nice, enjoyed my last two months of leave. That was a good time, like just kind of decompressing. I mean, it, you know, it was long, you know, 47 month experience. So it was great to like decompress for a little while before starting out your career and then you know you eye bullock into ranger school and then uh, airborne school uh then i got to go report to my unit um pretty much uh, like a week after i reported uh after finishing all the end process and everything i reported to my unit we jumped into uh yakima washington with my platoon like i put me down platoon right away jumped in with them Came back thinking we were going to get ready for an intensive training cycle. Um, President Trump wanted to increase the troop numbers. So they're like, hey, you guys are leaving Afghanistan in two weeks. Packed everything up. We were in Afghanistan two weeks after that. Um, it was just awesome time. Like first, you know, getting deployed my first platoon. Um, had some good experiences out there. Got, to, got assigned with the Marine Company for like a month. Where I was like the only Army officer there. Um, it's a lot of like experiences, like freedom, different levels of command, learning a lot of different stuff. Uh, came back from that. We pretty much rolled directly into an intensive training cycle, started getting ready you, uh, for- our... Where were you guys at in Afghanistan before, before we uh, held that? Oh, break. I was in, uh, we were in Kandahar for most of it. And then I was in uh, in Shorab with the Marines for a month. That's pretty cool. I mean, there's, not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of like grads around your class range that like have a story like that. Um, I think I, we're, um, I was, I'm at the age, you know, I was a 2009 guy where like most of us were deploying, like as soon as we, you know, as soon as we graduated, got through Bullock or whatever. Um, but a lot of your classmates probably didn't get to go through that. You know, do, do some of your classmates like reach out, you know, what was it like, I guess at that point when you were like getting ready to deploy, was there like, Oh, I'm so jealous. Like you're getting to deploy. You know, I, I totally agree. Like, you know, uh, talking to all our instructors and everything and, and you're like all those guys, that was very common. You, know, you showed up to your platoon and deployed like a week later, very common. But for our class, you know, it was kind of like starting the drawdown. I actually was not supposed to deploy. Like my battalion was supposed to be a, the rear detachment battalion because they were decreasing the troop numbers in Afghanistan. And then right at the last minute, they're like, no, we're going to send the whole brigade. Um, and yeah, so definitely, uh, I don't know. No one reached out to me and told me they were jealous or anything. I, I don't know how anyone felt about it in particular, but I think it was a, a unique opportunity that I had to be able to like deploy with my first platoon. Um, but yeah, after that, uh, went into intensive training cycle. Um, got to go to JRTC. Uh, coming back from that, I got to be an executive officer for a little while. Um, got to go to jump master school, EIB, all that good stuff in at Fort Bragg. Uh, and then a little while after that, um, you know, whatever happened, like certain things happened. We didn't have a captain at the time, so they moved me over to S4. Like, you're going to be the S4 for the battalion. That was a position that I wound up getting stuck in for like a year and a half, kind of cut my XO time short. And like that at that point, they're like, well, you're the S4. We don't want to like switch you out. You know all the systems so well. So got to do uh, another JRTC rotation as the S4. And then I wound up, uh, you know, on December of, Coming into 2020, our battalion got alerted on the global response uh, when the whole thing happened with Iran. 
So then we deployed over to um, Kuwait and then Iraq. Um, that would have been, you know, 2020 during that whole IRF thing. So that was actually a pretty, pretty unique experience also because IRF hadn't been called up since like, hadn't been called up by emergency notifications since like the late 80s. Uh, so that was another time I got to much very different experience deploying on the S4 shop, being in battalion staff than being with the platoon. Definitely not quite as much fun, but I definitely got to learn a lot and had a unique experience there too. Did it add a um, lot? Of, uh, did that add a lot of stress? I mean, being an S4, that probably added like I would think that adds a lot of stress. You know, from you know, there's a lot of logistics involved in uh, in oh yeah yeah that quickly. So it was um, so we came back from. Came back from leave. I, I'd already, I'd been on the S4 shop for a long time and going to Jersey did help me in learning like all the paperwork required to deploy. Obviously we were going to do everything by air instead of by rail, but um, I'd done a lot of air paperwork before just because, you know, we dropped a lot of stuff um, in 80 seconds. So I knew the processes fairly well. And because of the situation, like the Air Force worked with us a lot for a lot of the paperwork. So it made the deployment process actually a little easier than normal. There's a lot, there's a lot more forgiveness because everyone knew like we have to get all this stuff out in the next five days. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the IRS stuff is like it feels so like fake when you're not getting mobilized and you're like doing the Idris and doing the like all the paperwork and all the administrative stuff. And then when it's actually real, it's like holy crap. It's like, yeah. you, you like immediately forget everything that you like prepped for, like your packing list is like, I got to run to Walmart and grab all that stuff. Oh yeah. I was on, I was on like approved leave. Like I, I was over at my parents' house. I, I didn't have any bags packed. Here. I, most yeah. people didn't. We had just gotten back from JRTC a little while ago. So obviously like all your, you dig into all those bags, no one had repacked for IRF. And uh, yeah, we all packed pretty quick that night before we had to report the next morning. Um, where, uh, so you went to end up going to triple C and, uh, where are you at now? Yeah. So I'm in uh fourth ranger training battalion right now. Um, I just started the certification process back in, uh, mid November takes like 60 to 90 days. Just a lot of classes memorized, a lot of different stuff to do to get certified before you can start, uh, teaching in front of students. So I'm kind of finishing up that process right now. So you haven't graded any pushups yet? I'm not great at any push-ups yet. Hopefully, I'll be uh, tell us, tell us, tell the listeners the secrets behind the the 48 club. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I will say that that uh, as far as I'm brief, there are no. It's a pretty fair process. So uh, you're you're part of the system now, man. You're too yeah, far. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm part of the system. I haven't I haven't been out there. I haven't actually gone out there to grace. So no one whispered in my ear the the secrets of the 48 club yet. So. What I don't know what is that? What the 48, 48 club? Just like you know, you have to get 49 push-ups to start in ranger school. So oh, oh yeah, I'm not I'm not ranger qualified, so I'm not that <laughs> a lot good. of people, a lot of people think you know that there's there's like a, a, a cutoff number, and like after that they gotta start cutting people, so they're gonna start purposely doing it. Um uh, being in the system talking different R's, I have no evidence to support that, but yeah, it's it's one of those things you hear all the horror stories before you go that someone got. It's like a verb getting 48ed at Ranger School where like they get to 48 and the RI is like 48, 48, 48, and they just keep saying that and then they you get up and you fail. Yeah. So, so I was seeing if Javi would give us the secrets, but it seems like he's already been indoctrinated. Yeah, it's like they won. They make sure you keep that in tight. No, but uh, for all the listeners out there, any uh, army wrestlers going to Ranger School, Javi Rodriguez is a guy you want to hit up before to get like the, the tips or any questions or stuff like that. Um, Javi's a, a great resource because the school changes, things go back and forth all the time as like decisions are made at higher levels. So um, Javi'd be a good dude to reach out to to, to get an azimuth check. Yeah, absolutely. The school has changed a lot, even in the last five years since we were there. Uh, yeah, so if you guys have any questions, definitely reach out to me. Yeah, so going back to your uh, your MMA career, I guess, uh, how did you, like, were you a fan of it first? And then you, like, became, you know, like, I, I feel like I hear, you know, like a lot of, like, you know, MMA stuff or things coming out of Fort Benning. I feel like that's, like, a common a common thing, maybe not, like, at other, not as much at other bases. Um, is it because of, like, the training environment there, you know, uh, or, you know, I guess, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? 
So I, I think um, there's been a lot of there's just great coaching out here all around and in like the Army and out of the Army system. Uh, all the coaches who, at the gym I train with, they all used to work at the Army Flight House here at Fort Benning. Um, they actually just opened up their gym about a year ago. Before that, they were training all their fighters right out of the fight house in Fort Benning. So I guess there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity here for, for training. Uh, for me personally, when I was at Fort Bragg, uh, it was hard for me to have any sort of a consistent schedule for training. Just the hours I was working, the times I got out, even on weeks we weren't in the field, some days I just get out like at eight o'clock. So there's like no way for me to like have any sort of consistent training in jujitsu, MMA or anything. Um, coming over to Triple C was when I first was like, hey, like I, I did a little bit, I actually did a little bit back at Bragg, a little jiu-jitsu, and then we got shut down within a month or two because of COVID. Um, so just kind of that timeline didn't really work out. My schedule was getting a little better after all the JRTC rotations and everything. Um, and then coming over to Benning, I was like, I know I have a time set aside to have a consistent schedule where I could really, you know, work um to get to better myself in, in a discipline at the time it was just going to be jujitsu when I first started um but I remember you know one of the things coach Ward had said and it, it did stick with me was like hey you guys are really gonna remember this time when you leave you'll appreciate this time where like every day we got to go in the room and work toward getting better and I would say that was like a culture we built on the team and like after leaving you know you're at work it was different things but there's Never a place where I walked in every day feeling like I was getting better like I did in the Army wrestling room. I definitely started missing that. So when I came to Triple C. I was like, hey, let me try to get into this. I had a great coach. Slowly talked me into coming to the striking class after a little after doing jujitsu for about six months. Did striking for about a month and a half. And just one day I was like, put on my shin guards. He comes over. He's like, hey, what if I could tell you six months from now I get you a fight here in Bending? Like, we're going to give you like a good camp. You'll be ready. Like your wrestling is really good. Like we're gonna rely obviously a lot on that for your game plan. Like I'm gonna make you a good game plan. What do you say? And like you know, Coach Tim Ferris, he's been coaching fighters for probably about 20 years now. Um, so I was like, all right, I trust you. Let's let's do it. And uh, once again, I was just like on that same kind of path where every day going in, get better, having something to train for. It was great. I loved it. I missed that for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess I haven't thought of it before. Like, there's a lot of similarities between that and like wrestling, kind of like the, the mindset and kind of thought process getting ready for it. I, you know, I'll bring, I'll bring CrossFit into the, you know, into the, in the, in the, the conversation now because it happens, you know, in pretty much every conversation I have now. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the competitive side of it, of like the preparation and like having something to train for, you know, makes a big difference. I, I, especially like, I guess, Tyler, you know, you, you, you're training in jujitsu, you know, do you, do you do you ever feel like hey I should compete in this like or you're just practicing to practice? Um, I I always whenever I, I talk to a wrestler who's done wrestling or you meet guys in the army that have wrestled I always tell them to get into jujitsu because I call it the gentleman's wrestling because you can go one night a week two nights a week whatever your schedule fits and you train as hard or as easy as you want, but you're still on the mat, you're still active, you still get to scrap if you want to scrap. And then there's competitions every month in jujitsu that are available. And I'm sure that's how Javi um, went down that slippery slope of getting back into jujitsu, getting his feet wet. And then he gets really excited beating people up in jujitsu. And he's like, hey, I can throw some punches too. So if that's what you want to do, that, that avenue is definitely there. But um, jujitsu, I mean, even on the the weeks when you're getting home at eight o'clock, like if you have a weekend off where you can make a jujitsu class, it's just awesome to stay in the, the wrestling environment and, and still feel uh, competitive rather than just cutting off cold Turkey. Um, once you're, once your last match ends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with Tyler. Like I, I was away from a little while from competing and from that world. And man, I, by, after a few years, I definitely missed it. So uh, what's next on the horizon for you? You know, you talked a little bit about fighting. What's next? Um, you know, what do you what do you see yourself doing in the next year, five years? What's what's your what's your plan? Uh, so as far as fighting, like I'm definitely something I'm going to stick with. Um, kind of one of those things. Just going to go in every day and try to get better. Um, you know, once I put that film up, um, I'll watch the film of my last fight. You know, same thing as wrestling kind of improve on all your weaknesses. Um, 
professionally, I think um, after this, uh, I'm interested. I started my packets to go try to uh, work for the FBI. So that's that's what I want to work for next. So hopefully, I'll, after I leave, I'll be finishing up my packet and submitting it, and uh, hopefully get a date for Quantico sometime in 2022 or 2023. When um, where do you want to end up? Um, I, I have a buddy in the FD, FBI. Um, do you do you have like an area that you're looking to like settle down in? I'd, I'd like to go back to Florida, to be honest. Um, but I mean, I know like first assignment where, you know, needs of the FBI, but I'd like to go back to Florida. Nice. Tyler, what else you got on the agenda for tonight? So listen, Tyler was like in charge of this one tonight. I'm, you know, if, if I look unprepared for this, uh, it's because uh, Tyler uh, didn't inform me enough. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, this, was, this was a good one, man. I, I wanted to, I wanted to let Javi know that we were trying to get him on the podcast for a little bit, but I knew he was in fight camp. And I didn't want Javi like having those thoughts in the back of his head, like, oh, I'm about to go talk about my fight. Like uh, now I got to start, you know, getting in your head a little bit. So Javi went out, crushed it. Um, it's good to good to talk to him. So easy one to prep for to get a good guy on the podcast. Yeah. And, and Javi, uh, Tyler was like, you know, on uh, Friday and early Saturday, he was like, man, I really hope Javi wins because like, I really want to have him on the podcast, but I'm still really trying to get him on if he doesn't win the fight. <laughs> That yeah, would have been a real different interview, I think, especially talking about fight stuff if the fight had not gone the way it did. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the strike, you know, he, the guy was like a big striker, and, and Tyler mentioned he got a, you know, or you mentioned he got a bunch of like some good hits in at the end. You can't see it on your face at all. You know, it doesn't definitely doesn't look like you got in a fight this weekend. Yeah, no, I just got a like a minor bruise over here, all on my nose. And to be honest, like my it's a little sore on this jaw on this side. I think you got a good one in on my right, right side of my jaw, but other than that, I think it'll heal up pretty quick. Didn't have any like any headaches or any of that. So usually, like uh, if I was on the mat, like anytime I go on the mat and I haven't been on in a while, like you can tell. Like the next day, I've got like weird like gashes, yeah, and, like grasses all over my face. It's like you know a mess. But yeah, you you look, you know, you couldn't even tell. You were here, there. I, I, can, uh, I can I can verify Javi got punched in the face pretty hard a bunch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I got I took some pretty good shots. My skin uh, got tested. <laughs> Sure. I would say, like, for a wrestler, like, you go into jiu-jitsu, you have a huge advantage, like, a very large advantage in just your body positioning, your hips, the speed of your takedowns. But, uh, like, my first day starting striking, it's very different. Like, it's a very different stance. Striking takes – you have to be, like, super loose with the upper body, which is a little counter to wrestling, especially with your – like, you have very tight hips, very tight arms. So, starting striking, I was, like, real awkward with it. Um, it took a lot of work to get like smooth with the striking and then going from striking and wrestling, you're going from like something that's like smooth and fast into something that's like very like rigid and, and like, you know, a lot of muscle. Like you don't really want to muscle striking. It's more like flowing your punches and your kicks. And then you go straight into wrestling, which is, you know, you dominating your opponent and jujitsu is somewhere in the middle where you, you'd like, you take what your opponent gives you, but there are times where you force them into stuff. So I'd say all three disciplines are a little different and putting them all together is what takes some time. hundred percent. So, uh, so who, uh, who do you want to hear on the show uh, in the future? Who are your picks? These are getting harder now because we've done shoot the 67 episodes, you know, so we've had, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the other guys are taken, you know, so uh, who, who do you want to hear on the show? That's a hard one. Um, you guys have been running a good show. Like you have put a lot of people on, um, do you, do you listen to like a bunch of episodes? Like which, what episodes? I listen to a bunch. I, I, I can't say I've listened to all of them. I've listened to a lot of the podcasts or on y'all radio, especially a lot of ones you put on Facebook and stuff. I've listened to them. I love the show. Um, trying to think. Uh, you guys had Austin Wilding on? I, uh, I talked to him uh, over the weekend um, or at Army Navy. I saw him there. Um, okay. we're, we're talking uh, 2022. Okay. Yeah. I think he would uh, probably hear his, I like heard only a little bit, you know, caught up back at your wedding. Um, I'd like to hear about what he's done since as much as he can talk about what he's done since he's graduated for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be a good one too. Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a good one. Yeah. A few people have mentioned Austin Wilding. Let's hear uh, You get two more, two more. Parts. Okay. Um, you guys on Samson yet? That's another one. We're, we're yeah, looking yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 2022. 
Well, Samson, maybe 2023. I don't know. Yeah, no, Samson, you got you to bring him on for sure. Um, and then, who else? Uh, Russ, you guys were Russ on? Uh, that, yeah, that'd be a good one too. Yeah, Russ, Russ on for sure. Yeah, I yeah, those are my, my, my top three. Greg, uh, it's uh, uh, he's got his times, you know, he's on this time, and it's later. It, we should be able to, we should be able to make something happen. I yeah, reached yeah, out to, I was actually going back out because I was like, I've talked to Javi like before I went to our, our Facebook conversation, and I was like, man, Javi, he like, you know, I was. You know, I was running that wrestling club in, in North Carolina. I was like, man, I tried to get Javi out there a bunch. He's just way too busy, uh, you know, to. Yeah, my schedule, Greg, I really want to come out, especially whenever Coach Ward came down. I, really, I was gone both times. I was, like, so disappointed about that one, too. Yeah, those were those. Man, I look back, it feels like a lifetime ago when yeah. I lived in North Carolina doing, doing that stuff. Yeah. I was looking at, like, the messages I sent. Like, I sent these, like, lengthy messages, like, Basically, like a sales thing. Like we're trying to get all these, you know, uh, grads, wrestlers into this wrestling camp that we're doing. It was funny because I think about the like way I was like uh, selling it then, like trying to get everybody involved. It yeah. was so it was so different. Like now we have like the VHall Radio page. It's like if I were to do that now, it'd be like really easy to get twenty people to just like come to a wrestling camp. Oh yeah, this what you built was like. Well, wow, it's it's amazing. It actually is very impressive, like what Beehive Radio has become from like day one all the way now. Sixty seven now. Sixty seven. Yeah. It's wild. Tyler, you got anything else before we wrap it up? No, man. Um, Javi, good good to hear from you, man. Good to see you again, as always. Thanks, Tyler. It's great talking to you, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hey, guys. For me. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and as always, go Army, be Navy.